0: I am going to miss jesse's children's messages every week when she asked everyone to dance we only have 15 people but it became pandemonium around here (laughs) oh anyway yeah so normally at this time in the service we would have uh someone read the scripture from the the congregation that's been our tradition but today we're not going to do that because i'm going to be drawing from many many different places in the Bible, and um, I will just be reading them as we encounter them. But allow me to open for us with a word of prayer. Father in heaven, as we begin this message, we're asking that we may see you. Uh, That's always our desire when we gather for worship, to see you. And we're asking today that through your word, through the faithful testimonies of your saints of old, that your spirit would work in each of our hearts, uh, drawing us closer to you. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. So I'd like to tell you all the story of Janet and my life and and of our relationship to Bethel. And I want to do that in a series of pictures. And I'd like to start with these three. So these are all cards, and so this first card is a card you can see of two hippos about to jump off a diving board. I've showed the church this before. It's really weathered, thought, thought we had lost it, and then Janet found it in some uh, corner of the house. And this, I gave Janet this card just before we began in ministry. You know, these two scared people about to take the plunge, holding hands and stepping off that uh, big diving board. Well, then time moved along, and then I gave Janet this card here, and uh, this is, was mid-adventure, so the adventure continues, and we're just chasing down what God has for us, and there's joy in the journey, and sure, hardship, but joy in the journey. Well, then, in the last years, Janet gave me this card, and... Um, I have displayed this on my dresser along with my hippo picture but just recently I confessed to Janet that this card wasn't really my favorite Um, somehow the rear ends of two bears fading into the sunset didn't speak to my heart as much as the other ones Um, but in the last years, it's become kind of prophetic. And uh, now, actually, it's very fitting because the, the two beards are hitting the road and we're going back to Ontario. And really, honestly, I don't know where the time went. You know, it becomes a cliche after a while. But really, where does the time go? And uh, how is it that um, these nine years have sped... Bye. And what do you say at a time like this? What do you say at a time like this? When you have a brief amount of time and you just, your heart is full. And uh, what I uh, decided to do, and what I think the Lord led me to do, is that I, instead of picking one single text, I, I said, well, people in the Bible said goodbye, and I started combing through all of the farewell messages of the Bible. You know, people who were leaving at a time of significant transition and saying goodbye or they were about to die and they were saying goodbye. So from from Joseph to Jacob to, to Moses to Samuel to David, uh, Jesus, uh, Paul has two. Uh, Peter, Second Peter is a farewell message. And so I read all of these farewell messages to see what they said. And this is what I discovered, that what they did was obviously they wanted to say the most important things about God and the people they were talking to. Uh, that they possibly could but also they spoke from their heart to the situation of the people uh, that they were addressing and that's what i want to do today i want to speak my heart to the situation drawing from from those themes as as sort of my foundational guide but uh the first thing is this that and this didn't come so much from a theme or a verse But as I was studying these farewell messages, I had made careful notes on them all. And then I I said, boy, you know, this is how we get ahead of God. I, I just decided I need to ask God, God, what do you want to say to Bethel Church? And so I did. I said, well, Lord, what do you want to say to Bethel Church? And immediately, like literally before I finished the question, these words came to my heart. And they were the words, tell them that I love them. Now, I didn't think of that. As I was combing through all of these passages, I, I, it didn't dawn on me to isolate that as a theme. But then I said, of course, of course, behind every talk is the God who created humanity, who, who sought humanity after they had fallen, the God who called a people because he wanted to love them, and a, a God who picked them because he wanted them to tell the story of his love to the whole world. The God who in time would come and to show his love to all who would believe in him gave his life. And the Apostle Paul in his farewell to the Ephesian elders says this, keep watch over yourselves and all the flock of which he has made over which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers, be shepherds of the church of God, which he bought with his own blood. Can the story of God's love be any more powerful? And it dawned on me that all of these people who were speaking these messages, these were leaders raised up by God because God loved his people. And so I want to say this to you, Bethel Church, to those gathered here, to those at home, Jesus loves you. And discovering the reality that, of that is literally the, 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 discovering the reality of the Christian life. It's how we grow up into the full measure of God. It's how we escape the devil's constant condemnations to know the love of Jesus. Jesus loves you. Well, another theme, uh, and really this was the most often repeated theme of all of these farewell messages, and I think there were about 11 of them, uh, and, and it was this. God has called you to live an adventure with him. Live it. Or let me put that another way. God has called you to be a special people. He has made you special. Live a special life. And so, for example, when when Moses is going to give the Ten Commandments, when God is going to give the Ten Commandments to the people, what does he say to the people? He says this in in Exodus 19, 5 through 6. He says, now, if you obey me fully and keep my covenant, then out of all of the nations, you will be my treasured possession. Although the whole earth is mine, you will be for me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. And then Peter, picking up on that, says this. But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness and into his wonderful light. Now, where this all leads is, you know, the Ten Commandments. But the important reason for the context is that it's not about God saying, obey me because I love to see how high people will jump. I just love it when people keep the rules. But instead, God is saying, do you know who you are to me? Do you know the special place I'm giving you in the world? Jesus put it this way. You are the light of the world. Let that sink in. But then he says... You're the salt of the earth. But if the salt loses its saltiness, it is good for nothing to be tra- but, but to be trampled underfoot. So we are called to be a special people, but it's a calling to live a special life. And this is why Moses again and again says things like this. Love the Lord your God with all of your heart and soul and mind of, and strength. He says, be careful to fear the Lord, to love the Lord, to trust the Lord. These words are not idle words for you. He says, they are your life. And so again and again, these authors just repeat those words. Walk closely with the Lord. Grow in grace and the knowledge of Jesus. I love the way Joshua puts it. Choose you today whom you will serve. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. You know, being a special people for God means going for it. You can't walk the, you know, both, two lives at once. You gotta go for it. And say, God, you're number one, and it's, I'm all out for you. Okay, so here is a very closely, these next two things are very closely related to this huge concern of, of the, these People saying farewell that that we live this special life and and here's the first one in everything you can count on God you can rely 100% on God God would never tell you go into the world and be my special people and and go to the ends of the earth and be the light of the world without also saying you're not doing this on your own I would never send you alone but I'm going to walk with you every step of the way you know, God's name is I am that I am. Now, I prefer the translation... I will be that I will be, which is also a fair translation of that word. And I'll tell you why. I don't think God is some Greek X in the sky who's just saying, my being is eternal. I think he's echoing the very promise that he reiterates again and again and again in Scripture. I will be with you. My very name is I will be. I'm the God who when you get there, I will be there. Before you, I go before you, I I stand with you. Jesus said when he gives the Great Commission, he says, And surely I am with you always, even to the end of the age. God, you can count on God right now for your finances and for your sickness and for your COVID frustration and for your children whom you're trying to teach at home. and, and, And when you're lonely, he will be with you. And when the pastor leaves and there's some uncertainty, It's not about a pastor. It's about God who says, I'm right here. Well, this next theme, again, is very, very closely related, and it's be alert. And this appears again and again and again in these farewell messages. Moses is about to, you know, die on Mount Nebo. He's sending the people into the promised land. And he's saying to them, You're going to go into the land, and there are going to be temptations. He could have said, You're going into Canada rather than Canaan because the temptations are so similar. You're going to go into a pluralistic situation. You're going to be tempted to follow the ways and the beliefs and get sucked into the sexual practices of the culture around you. But be alert. And he says, on the other hand, you might go and your success could be your undoing. You know, John Wesley noticed that. The richer his people got, he says, we've got a conundrum here. The gospel helps people to prosper financially. And then when they prosper financially, there's a temptation that they're going to forget the Lord. And that's exactly what Moses, our very success, our very comfort can be a snare. And then in the New Testament... Suddenly, false teaching becomes huge. You don't find a farewell in the Bible where the apostles aren't saying, in the New Testament epistles, where the apostles aren't saying, beware, guard the gospel, because some will come who have a form of religion, but not the power of it. Paul says to the elders as he's saying goodbye to them, the Ephesian elders, he says this, Acts 20, 29, I know that after I leave, savage wolves will come in among you and not spare the flock. Listen, you've been entrusted with the gospel. And to shine in this world for Jesus, you need to guard the gospel. It needs to seep through your life and you need to hold it in truth. Well, very close on the heels. And I've got to make a confession that I did not see these, this thought specifically said, but it permeates the Bible, and it's certainly is speaking to our situation what, what I believe God would have me to say to you. and It's summarized well in Colossians 4.2, where Paul says to the, the, the people in Colossae, devote yourselves to prayer being watchful and thankful. Now, somebody said to me, a couple of people pointed this out, and I did not realize it until they pointed it out, that when I came here, uh, Bethel almost immediately had a day of 24-7 prayer, and now I'm leaving just after a week of 24-7 prayer. When I came here, 24-7 prayer, that was a new thing to me, a whole day, wow, and uh and I remember, you know, a group of people praying for me and Janet. And, and, and one of the members spoke prophetically, and he said, Lord, I believe this passage is going to become very important to Tom. And then he quoted from Acts chapter 20, where Paul says, uh, I, have com- I have run the race. I have completed the task the Lord Jesus has given me, the task of proclaiming the good news of God's grace. And boom, it really hit my heart It did speak to me it became i memorized it it became my theme while i was here for these almost nine years well now i'm leaving we had a week of 24 7 prayer before i ever came bethel's goal was to be a church of a vibrant church of prayer i that didn't come out of my mouth it came out of somebody before i ever got here it was bethel's heart and now i look back and i'm just i just praise the lord we have midweek prayer meetings. I hear individuals say that they've grown personally in prayer. This is how we depend on the Lord. This is how we take hold of the God who will be with us all the time. And this is how we, we resist the temptations of the world and stay sharp in the gospel. We, we pray constantly. I love it that our governing elders pray before meetings regularly. And there's a funny thing about prayer. Because in my experience, I think in most people's experience of prayer, you don't walk through and you go, wow, uh, you know, prayed for that five minutes ago. Done. Prayed for that. Done. Prayed for that. Done. As a matter of fact, you go through long periods of time where you're not necessarily seeing, uh, you know, this, that kind of one-to-one correspondence between prayers and requests. But this is my experience. My experience is if you pray... And if you're in a praying atmosphere and you're committing things to God, stuff happens, fruit happens. God is able to do more than all you could ask or imagine through his power that works within us. And stuff happens, and then you look back after one year and after two years and after three years, and you go, God's been at work. And here's the, the, the temptation. The temptation is for churches to say, because they don't see the day-to-day at work, is to let prayer slide, and then suddenly the, the church becomes very human. Those coincidences just don't happen as much, and the power isn't as evident. And so Bethel, stay prayerful. Now one more thing keep looking forward. This is another theme, especially in the New Testament. Paul says this in 2 Timothy 4, 7 to 8, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Now there is in store for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award me on that day. Not only to me, but also to all who have longed for my appearing. The apostle Peter in Second Peter says this, but in keeping with his promises, we are looking forward to a new heaven and a new earth where where righteousness dwells. And he asks, what kind of people ought you to be? Now, remember these these two uh, these two epistles, Second Peter and Second uh, Timothy. They were written late in the lives of uh, Paul and Timothy. The next step would be crucifixion by Nero for Peter, uh, having your head chopped off for 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 Paul, and uh, and they're speaking to us and they're saying, you know, keep your hope on Jesus. I, I recommended a book some uh, months ago called Imagine Heaven, and it's uh, strangely, I mean, this is what makes it weird for me to recommend it. It's a book about near death experiences. And it's, it's kind of cultivated or, or, or looked at through a Christian lens. And I've listened to it numerous times now, and I'll tell you why. Because it helps me to imagine everything that awaits us when Jesus returns. And literally, I don't think there's been a day in the last year that I have not thought a lot Even as I was in the pews just before I came up here, I was just imagining Jesus and God the Father on that throne that the book of Revelation talks about in this light that is so light, it's like an atomic bomb, and if we we couldn't in our earthly capacity even see it without being blinded. And one day we're going to be with Jesus. One day, just just as quickly as my time and Janet's time here in Edmonton just went like like a blink. That quickly we're all going to be with Jesus. The younger generation is going to become the older generation. The younger generation is going to be joking about you being old, right? Yeah, you're going to get yours. But then the next step is with the Lord. It's going to happen so fast. And that's the beautiful thing uh, you know again that when we we don't say goodbye I hope I'll see many of you in the next years but maybe not but we will see Jesus together everyone who loves Jesus everyone who depends on his death on the cross and maybe you're watching today and you don't have that assurance and I hope from what you've heard you realize it's yours for the receiving, through faith in Jesus, through faith in the God who loved you. Now, there's, I told you at the beginning of the service, there's sermon that I was telling the story of Janet and my life and the story of our relationship to Bethel in Pictures. And here's the final picture. This is the most recent card that I have given that I gave to Janet. And uh, in this card, you see a van. It looks like almost like an old Volkswagen van, if you've ever seen a picture of one of those or you, you lived the era. And then they're pull, it's pulling a huge trailer full of love. I mean, so much that it, they, they can't contain it. And Janet and I, that's how we feel about returning to Ontario. You, Bethel, have filled us with more love than we can contain the only thing wrong with this picture is that it shows us pulling it behind us in a trailer. the truth of the matter is where it's been deposited is right into our hearts, and you've transformed us. Like even in these last days, and, and, and even you know, calling a, a meet, you know, a park thing, it's like we have been loved like through a fire hose. It's been so overwhelming in and, and, and the years we've been here. And we may not remember every little thing that happened in Bethel but we will carry that love in our hearts because it's changed us. It's made us who we are today and we bring that with us. So remember Bethel, Jesus loves you. Live the adventure. You're God's special people. Live a special life. Count on God. He's, He's good to his word. Be alert. There are dangers ahead. Be prayerful and keep looking forward. Now, Paul said to the Ephesian elders what I would like to say to you, Bethel, as I contemplate, as we contemplate leaving. Because all of my anxieties about Bethel, all I want to do, all I want to ensure for the good of the future and all that, I can't. But Paul was in the same position as he said goodbye to the Ephesians. And he said this, he says, Acts 2032. Now I commit you to God and to the word of his grace, which can build you up and give you an inheritance among all those who are sanctified. I commit you to God, and I commit you to the word of his grace, which can preserve you, build you up, keep you strong. I'd like to invite the praise band to please come forward. And if you have your elements at home, would you please get them now because we're going to celebrate the Lord's Supper together. And really, what we're celebrating here, this bread, this wine that points back to the death of Jesus, Uh, It says more powerfully than I ever could in a message everything that I've been trying to convey, and it it tells you that um, Jesus loves you. It tells you that you are special, you're his special people, and his love is so great that he died for you to make that true. You know, it tells you he will be with you. It tells you that he's coming again, and and therefore, because of this, we need to to walk out our lives with him and being alert and being prayerful. Before we partake of these elements, would you pray with me? Father in heaven, thank you for for the fact that you have been here as we've worshipped. You have been uniting us here and the people at home Jesus, you are so real, so wonderful. Thank you for dying for us. We would be nothing if you hadn't. Thank you, thank you, thank you. And Lord, grant that as we celebrate this supper, that your spirit would work in our hearts to just seal it to our hearts and make it real in our experience. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. The Apostle Paul says that the Lord Jesus, in the night in which he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Go ahead and participate, partake of the bread. In the same way after the supper, the Bible says Jesus took the cup and he said, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. As often as you drink it, do so in remembrance of me. Allow me to lead us in a word of prayer. Father in heaven, as... Some of us, maybe at home, are finishing up celebrating this supper. We just want to thank you for this uniting power of your Holy Spirit. We want to thank you for the death of Jesus and the resurrection and for the prayers of Jesus now that unite us. In beautiful moments like this, we could just imagine the church of God as this mighty army fierce and beautiful and we know that that's not completely true true today but we know it will be one day because of what jesus did and we can travel together and we can encourage one another we can glorify you and then we can be gathered one day before you all because of your cross lord i want to commit to you this church that i love i want to commit to you this church that janet and i both love and this church which we will carry in our hearts I just commit them to your grace and to your word, which can make them strong and build them up. And I just know, Lord, as you lead us to Ontario, that you also have a wonderful plan for Bethel and that you will see it through. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Let's sing together.